the Lord's been putting on my heart this theme, uh, and it's about His glory and His power and this glorious church that He's coming back for. And the more I'm hearing this, the more I'm seeing the opposite uh, rhetoric in the world. And it's like the, the, the language and the rhetoric of the world is getting more anti-church, even folks in the church. It breaks my heart. I see pastors and people who say they're apostles and prophets and evangelists. They like to get on social media and they like to slam the church. And boy, there'll be thousands of comments and thousands of likes on that. And to me, I just can't imagine if anybody was slamming my wife on Facebook or social media or, or to someone in conversation, how in the world would that make me feel? And we, the church, we're the bride of Christ. And we've got to be careful how we talk about the church. Because really and truly, the, the world's hope is found in Christ and His body. And that's not the plan of man, that's the plan of God. So the church has a vital place in the wrap-up, in the finalization of this age, this church age that we're living in. It's why it's called the church age, uh, because God put the church as, as central to be the power source of His Spirit and His Word and His anointing. And that's why Jesus said, I'm the Christ, but I'm going to put my anointing on you and you will become my body of Christ. So the church is the body of Christ. Now we say that, but do we really understand what we're saying? We are the body of Christ. And Paul is specific to tell us by the leading of the Holy Spirit in the epistles that Jesus is the head of this body of Christ or the church. Jesus is the head. Now I know there are some things that function as a church and name only that Jesus is not the head of. I'm not talking about that. But we've got to be very careful because there is a schism or because there is a pseudo or because there is someone pretending in name only, we got to be very careful not to step on that infraction and us become more guilty of a greater infraction of speaking curses and damning the true body of Christ. Because when we speak against the church, we're speaking against the body of Christ. We're speaking against the bride of Christ. We're speaking against this glorious church that God is building, that Jesus said He would build, that is coming against the gates of hell. So when Satan wants to open up his gates and let more corruption and more chaos and more conflict and more warring and rumors of war... When he wants to let those demonic dogs out of the pen uh, in his gate, what he's got to do is get the church off of his gates uh, a threshold. Because Jesus said our place is a powerhouse church is to be tearing the gates of hell off and taking dominion. That means putting demons to flight and taking back what the enemy has stolen, right? So the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So if the church is not in its place, then Satan, and, and so Satan attacks the church, so we back down and we turn on each other. And when the church turns on each other and we start getting offended with each other and we start talking about and down on each other, Satan says, hot diggity dog, 
Because if there's no unity, there's no blessing. Because the blessing is where the unity is. He said there, where the unity is, there's the blessing of the Lord. And part of the blessing of the Lord is the power of God. So we become powerless in the world. And, and then we've lost our identity. We, we've really got amnesia. We're walking around aimlessly because we are not in, on purpose, living on purpose. Our purpose is to be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are, we are supposed to, by the Holy Spirit, be the ones that is keeping the spirit of the Antichrist from doing anything he wants to do. The Bible says the day will come when the rapture takes place and the church is taken away, then not only the spirit of the Antichrist, but every plan of the Antichrist can come to fruition, but not until then. He says, the Bible says that, that the church is holding him back. Some people say that's the Holy Spirit being taken away. Well, we know the Holy Spirit is God, and God is omniscient, and God is omnipresent, and God is omnipotent, so he knows all things, is all places at all times, and, uh, and he's all-powerful. So God's not going to take his Holy Spirit out of the earth. But he does tell us in quite a few places that he's going to take his body, the church, when it's time for the church age to come to its end, in the twinkling of an eye, those that are dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. And then after these things, then what the spirit of the Antichrist had his, has on his agenda will then begin, begin to find full fruition because there will be no opposition. Which means until the church is taken, we are supposed to be standing between uh, heaven and earth and we're to be the intercessors, and we're to be the warriors, and we are the ones to be uh, swelling back the enemy instead of letting our tongues get involved in the chaos and the, and the confusion of what the enemy's trying to stir. Does that make sense? I want to talk to you tonight. This is a series we're starting uh, that goes on in becoming that glorious church or being the glorious church, and I've entitled it A Trinity of Power. A Trinity of Power. And in this trinity of power, I want us to be reestablished and truly understand who we are, whose we are, and why we are, and what we are, and what we are to do. Amen? So we have to do that. But if you don't sense your anointing and authority and the power of God, you will not do this. So we're going to be looking at trinity of power. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13 is where we're going to begin. And Jesus came into the region of, region of uh, Caesarea Philippi. And he's asking his disciples this. He said, who do men say that I the Son of Man am? It's important to know. Who do you see Jesus at? Well, they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus in verse 15, he puts it right to them as he puts it to us tonight. Well, who do you say? Who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus the Christ to you? Who do you see him as? Because it's very, very important. So Simon Peter, because they didn't have an answer, the Heavenly Father gives an answer, and Simon Peter's quick to speak, so God said, I use you, Simon. Uh, you're always opening your mouth saying the wrong stuff because you're willing to talk before you think. Well, I'm going to give you some talk before you think. And uh, so, so he says, well, you are the Christ. Not your last name. You are the anointed one. You're the one that's come with the anointing of heaven to change earth, 
to change earth. There is power from heaven that has come to us through Messiah, and the Messiah will be the Christos, the anointed one. So you are him. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and if you study in the Greek, you will see two Greek words for, for rock and, and pebble, and Jesus is using the one here for pebble. He says, you are Peter, a little pebble. But on this rock, this massive boulder, it's a different Greek word with a different, uh, it's the same Greek word with a different ending on it that means the pebble is a piece of the bigger, but the bigger is greater than the pebble. So he said, what you've just said, this revelation, this greater, is a massive boulder. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Sounds like to me Jesus is involved in building his church. Sounds like to me the church is very important to Jesus. It sounds like it's a central purpose of Jesus as he's now going forward to say, I'm not going to be building up an individual alone. I'm not going to be building up just a, a little group of people alone. I'm going to be working at building my church, each and every individual that comes in and makes up my church. Don't speak against the church. Don't speak against the bride of Christ. Don't let the devil trick you in becoming anti-church because you're becoming anti the body of Christ, which means you're coming against Christ. Don't get caught up in that lie and that trick of the deceitful one that is trying to do this. So he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. No plan of hell is going to prosper. No plan of hell is going to succeed against my church. My church, I'm going to set it up for a church age. It has a purpose, and until that purpose is fulfilled, he says, Satan can't stop it. So I know by me saying what I'm saying, while it's encouraging us to be a part of this glorious church that Jesus Christ is building, whether I say it or not, the church will continue. The church will move on. Whether you get mad with a church, and not this church, and nobody gets mad at this church. We're, we're just a loving family. We hug you back into, uh, into relationship, right? We're a hugging church. We're a family church. Ain't nobody mad in this church, right? I hadn't heard about it. If so, don't tell me. I don't even need to know. <laughs> just go hug them back in. Praise the Lord. But, but you hear, and especially in these, uh, this seems like this year, 2017, I've seen more uh, uh, verbal boldness of people who are claiming to be Christians and they're coming under the deception of the enemy and they are releasing with their tongue curses and they're trying to let Satan use them to curse the church. Now I know they're talking about an organization, not the organism, but you got to be careful because when you release the words, the enemy can take the words and act on the words just like when you release blessings, the Holy Spirit can take the words and act on those words. So you got to be careful with what you say. So he's building his church, and the gate of hell will not prevail against it. So whether Pastor Tim preaches this message or not, the church is going to march forward triumphant. The thing is, is I want us to all be a part of this glorious church that Jesus is building. Amen? And he's building this church, and in verse 19 he says, and I'm going to give you the keys, the church. This is the plural use, so it's not to Peter, so we can't set up uh, uh, just an individualized uh, movement and say it's all been lineage through Peter because he has the keys. It's so obvious in the original text that the you is referring to the church as a plural rather than a, a singular to a person. 
and He says, I'm going to give you, the church, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now He said, I want you to pray like this, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Now He's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven so that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I've studied this intensely and over the years, and I do believe this is my belief. I, I, you, you can believe differently. I don't think that's going to keep you out of heaven. Um, but, uh, you know, this heaven here is a cosmos. It's a word in the Greek that does not specifically say a particular heaven. And we know in the Scripture there are at least three heavens, maybe more, but the Scripture theologically gives us an insight into three heavens. There is a heaven that we look into when we look up at the stars and the moon and the clouds, and some of you are going to be foolish and try to get some cheap glasses and look at an eclipse and hope it doesn't do permanent damage to your eyes here uh, next week. And I would say, why be foolish if it's got a, a pit or a scratch on those lens? Even though if they're brand new, it says it can cause permanent damage, damage that will manifest itself in the days and years to come. I, I, it's not that big a deal, okay? I'm not going to ruin my eyes over that. But in that heaven, there's going to be an eclipse uh, that will be taking place next week. Uh, we saw the sun today in that heaven. Uh, and the Bible talks about that heaven that we look into, that he, set the, he has set this moon and the stars, and he's set the sun there as a sign. So it's in that heaven that we can see. But the, heaven, the Bible also talks about a third heaven, John went to that third heaven. Paul says he was caught up into that third heaven. And he was there in the presence of God. He was there in the presence of elders. He was there in the presence of the saints that had gone on before. He was in the presence of a multitude, red and yellow, black and white, every tongue and every nation and every tribe was around that throne worshiping the Lamb of God. Angels are there in that heaven, in that third heaven. Paul says things I saw, I can't even, I don't even have words to explain and give the details in that third heaven. So we also know if there's a third heaven, there's a second heaven, and the scripture does mention many times about a heavenly realm where Satan and demons operate from. And in that second heavenly realm, there is, uh, you know, the Bible talks about that we are to wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. It's the word heaven there. Same word that you would see for the heaven that Paul was caught up in, John was caught up in. Same word for the heaven that we look at the clouds and the moon and the stars and the sun in. So we know that there are three different heavens that the Scripture reveals, maybe even more. Why I say that is because the church has been given keys which represents authority. We've been given authority, Jesus said, over all the power of the enemy. Now authority, he uses a Greek word exousia, which means authority over powers. So there's different ranks and orders of power, but all of that comes under authority. So he's given us exousia, authority, over all the power of the enemy, Jesus said. I've given you exousia, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and he by no means shall harm you. So here Jesus is preparing us for the church age so that we can step up and be the church, especially when the attacks of the enemy are coming in. 
And I'm telling you, the enemy has opened some gates that have not been guarded, and there are some attack dogs or attack demons, you might would say, spirits, that have been released in this year and that is, that is coming from different angles, but they're trying to, as, as and I call it dogs because I, I grew up with hunting dogs, and you could take hunting dogs and somehow or another they are so amazingly... Uh, created by God, that they can go in the woods and they can track whatever you're hunting. They know, they smell what you want them to hunt. And uh, they will go and work together as a pack and, and, and track it down, get it running, and bring it by you so that you would have an opportunity to have some meat in the freezer and on the table. And how a dog, a sweet little dog, waggy-tailed dog, scratch behind his ear and his leg starts, you know, that is a sweet little thing in its brain, in its DNA, can do that. Well, Satan's a copycat for sure, and I see that kind of demons work in that way. It's like they'll go out here and they'll start trailing a, a, a cold trail, an old story, an old wound, or an old something, and the next thing you know, they'll make a little noise here and a little noise there until it gets hotter and hotter, and when you have a hunting dog, you say, oh, they, they're on a cold trail because they don't make a whole lot of noise. They go, whoop, you know, whatever they do. And then you just hear him a little while later, he goes, whoop, and, you know, he just makes a little noise, and you're like, he's on a cold trail. But then when he begins to bark more, he changes his tone, and you said it's getting hotter. That's what all the men on the clubs would say. Man, they get, that trail's getting hotter. And then when they actually jump the animal, let's say it's a, a deer, and they jump the deer, now their tone changes, and the repetition begins to get louder and louder. The whole... Before, it was just the lead dog barking. Here may be ten other dogs with him, and they're just kind of quiet and hanging in there. But when they jump that deer, then, and, and now you say they're running, the whole pack comes in, which causes a lot of confusion to the animal. So now the dogs can manipulate where the animal would probably outsmart them because they're on the animal's turf. But now, because of the confusion of all the noise, they're able to to, to uh, drive that animal into a dangerous situation. So I call these demons that Satan is releasing kind of like hound dog demons. And uh, they get out and they make a little noise of a cold trail, something that maybe it worked sometime in history, something that worked at one time. Next thing you know, it's getting hotter and hotter. But then when it becomes the, the, the issue that really stirs people up, they begin to, all the noise that you could imagine, the confusion comes in, and now the enemy's in control, and he's going to drive that thing right where he wants to bring destruction. Well, I see that for the world, and I understand the world is blind and, and, and how the enemy can manipulate. But that shouldn't be for the church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have different eyesight. We have eyes that see the faith realm. We have, we have the, uh, the uh, uh, you would say, the schematics of what's happening given to us in the Word. And we are to be the authority force that if we find something out of order like that, that we bring heaven to earth. That's our job. Until we here on earth are taken to heaven, Jesus has mandated that we bring heaven to earth. We bring heaven into our home. We bring heaven into our body. We bring heaven into our family. We bring heaven into our church. And then as the church, we are to be the light of the world that changes it from darkness to light, right? And we're the salt of the earth. So we're to be a change agent. Come on now. Y'all with me? Am I, am I making sense? 
So what happens is we have this authority been given to us, and if we misinterpret this verses 19 and following and see it that you and I get to go into God's heaven, a perfect heaven, a place where is our destination, a place that is, as Paul says, I don't even have words to explain it. In this natural mind, I am limited. I can't even, I can't even give words of description. I am so limited in this natural mind that we and our natural mind who can't even conceive this supernatural godly heaven that we're going to take keys and exercise authority to change that heaven. We would mess it up. One of you would mess it up. The rest of you so good, you would just go in there and say, God, you need you to rearrange the furniture. And you'd be like, God, the streets are paved with gold, but you know, that's opulent. I mean, that's just excess. We're going to tear that up. We're going to put some asphalt down here. You know, no, no. So we know this authority is not for us to change anything in God's heaven. Right? Can we agree on that? We don't need to change anything in God's heaven. We're trying to get God's heaven and its influence and impact on earth. He didn't say, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven as it is on earth. Right? Boy, that would really mess things up. So we're not there. So what he's saying to us in verse 19 is not that we have authority to go and take the moon out of its orbit and take the sun and change its uh, BTUs of burning power or change the star's alignment. We know we can't do that. But we do see that we have the ability to take hold of every thought and imagination in heavenly places that the enemy is operating and to bring them down bring them down to the obedience of Jesus Christ. So we do see the Scripture gives us authority and power and operation manual in a second heaven. So when he tells us here that we've been given these keys, we've been given this authority that we might bind here on earth. Where we're standing, we have the ability and the authority to bind here on earth, and whatever we bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. That means that whatever Satan has planned and loose, we can, we can bind it. What, if he's loosed the hound dogs of the demon forces of hell to come and bring corruption and death and destruction uh, in this earth, you and I have the authority as the church, not as an individual, but as an individual who is a part of the church. So our authority comes from our connection to the body of Christ, Right? It's not our individualistic, I'm a Christian and I don't claim to be connected to any others. Well, you're like a ligament who says, I'm not going to be a part of the body to bring extension or reflex back to that joint. Or I'm a finger, but I sever myself from the body and I'm going to be a finger over here by myself. Now, now Paul tells us that the way God made the body, if we cut the finger off and it, it will die, that you, if you're cut off from the body of Christ, you too will die. Jesus says we must abide in the vine, and as we abide in the vine, he abides in us, and his uh, power flows through us. So we've got these keys. We have this authority. I'm here to remind you, you may know it in your head, but we must operate and use it. You have authority. You have authority on this earth. You have authority right now. And he says if you would exercise that authority and bind anything that I'm just going to put my words in here, that the enemy has loosed from his heaven or his command post, we can put a stop to it. We can put a stop to it. 
We have authority to do that. That we can bind it on earth, it'll be bound in heaven. And he also says that whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So there are things that the enemy has put chains on and bound up that he has stolen that he has kept from you. He has tried to keep health from you. He has tried to keep wealth from you. He has tried to keep peace from you. He has tried to keep the right relationships from you. He has tried to keep, uh, uh, you know, every plan of God from you. He has bound these things. He is, he is trying to cause as much turmoil and confusion as possible. But we, the church, have been given power. And this power has to be exercised through us. We can say, God, your will be done. Please do it. If you want this thing loose, Jesus, you do it. Jesus says, that's not how it works. Jesus says, I did my part so as I could give you your assignment so that you can do your part. And it's all about the life of faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, the Bible tells us, we can please the Lord and faith without works is dead so faith with works can bring forth the life that God would have, which is an abundant life. So the abundant life that Jesus promised us, you have the authority to bind the enemy if he is trying to uh, loose things to keep that abundant life from you. You can, bind, you can bind him and you can loose the things that he's chained up and been trying to keep that abundant life from you. You have the authority to do that. I know you want pastor to do it. And as much as I'd love to do it for you, I would raise cripples, okay? And that is Jesus, as much as he'd want to do it for you, he would raise cripples. He says, I'm raising up a church, a glorious church, a mighty church, a powerful church, an authoritative church, that when my church speaks, the enemy has to listen. When my church binds on earth, all of Satan's command post center has to change their plans because what they had before will not work anymore. Now when they hit fire, it's a dud. It's a dud missile. It is, it is a, it's not going anywhere. Why? Because we bound it. We bound it from the authority, authority, authoritative position that we have. So again, does this make sense? Amen. That's why we need each other because, you know, where there is the, the coming together, that releases the exponential. One puts 1,000 to flight, talking about warfare. Two puts 10,000 to flight. 20 puts 10 septillion to flight. We don't know how many demons of hell there are. We know a third of the angels fell with Satan. So we do know this. There's twice as many angels for us than there are against us. And we've got the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is living in us. He is, he is the spirit and the life force of the church. Hallelujah. So Jesus declared that He's building this thing called the church and it's going to be a powerhouse. It's going to help bring about His will on earth until He's ready to take the church out of this world and then let judgment come in and tribulation and all that finalization that's going to take place uh, that, that comes after, the, uh, comes after the, the rapture. So you and I, have a, we, have a, we have a purpose. We, we're not just here to get by. We're not just here to hang on. We are here with an assignment to bind and to lose, here on earth, to bind and lose, so that it is manifested in this heavenly command post center that Satan and his demons work from. Now Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy 3 and 1, he says, but mark this, there will be, 
there will be terrible times in the last days. In the last days, man, when you look at, especially when the church is raptured out and you begin to see the things that unfold and the famine and the disease and the, uh, 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 the curses that are just manifested, everything that Satan's been trying to do to destroy the world that the church has been holding back is just going to have full fruition. There's going to be terrible times in the last days. But he says, as it's leading up to that, people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money and boastful and proud and abusive and disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. So he's telling us that if you're not careful, I'm warning you that in these last days there's going to be a, so much noise that is going to be going on saying you need to be in it for yourself. You've got to take care of yourself. It's numero uno. You better not care about anybody else. You better care about what your, you and your household, you and your four no more. So much so, he said, this noise is going to try to get you self-centered so that you take, you're not standing in your position of authority as the church. So, but you're not going to deny the church because you've been born again, you love God, but you got caught up in the noise, but you're not going to be standing in your position of authority. So you're going to keep this uh, form of the church going. There's going to be this form of godliness, but you're not going to be operating in the very purpose of which you're created to operate, and that is in power. So we're here at Christian Embassy, we're hearing the Spirit of the Lord say, don't deny the power. We're not to, not to deny the power. There's a trinity of power, and we're not to deny the power, because uh, God tells us here, have nothing to do with such people. If they have a form of godliness, they're denying the power, don't hang around it, because it's easier for you to be corrupted. You know, good, bad company corrupts good character. So if you're going to go hang around bad company, don't think they're, gonna, they're going to be swayed by you, that you will be swayed by them. Because that's just that human nature thing. It's easier for you to pull me down off of this platform than, me is, than it is for me to pull you up because of gravity. Well, with the Adamic nature at work in the environment we live in, it's much easier for you to get caught up in the gossip and you to get caught up in damning the church and you get caught up in talking about somebody and you get caught up in complaining and whining and murmuring and cursing with your tongue. Uh, you know, it's easier than it is for you to change them. I say it this way. If I have the flu and the flu is contagious and I rebuke the flu and I will not have the flu, this is an example only, I do put the perimeters around it, but if I did have the flu, it would be easier for you to catch the flu from me than for me to catch your wellness from you, right? So just remember that. So he says, has nothing to do with such people. So I'm on assignment tonight to remind us, the church, that we've got the power that we have a responsibility and that we've got to stand up and we've got to speak up and we've got to exercise that authority, especially when we see the noise of this second heaven of this demonic uh, command post center uh, invading the earth. We have, a, we have a responsibility. 
So this is power that has been provided by Jesus Christ. It's not something that we earned. It's not something that we did enough weight, uh, work out in the, uh, on the altar or in a, a gymnasium to get. It's power that God has given us through Jesus Christ by His Spirit. So in this trinity of power, we're just going to look at one tonight. And uh, we're looking at the power God gives us in His Spirit. The power of His Spirit. Somebody say, praise God for the Holy Ghost. Come on, say praise God for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I believe that we, if we get a fuller understanding of that, we would be saying praise God for the Holy Ghost without even being asked to because we need the Spirit of God. Amen. And it's all about the demonstration of His power, not our power. Power for us as a church and individuals that help make up the church to stand on earth and to bind things in the heavenly and power of God for us to stand on earth and to loose things in the heavenlies so that the enemy is not doing whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. Ephesians chapter 6, 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against these powers. He's telling us where the warfare is. And against the rulers of the darkness of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So if we wrestle, the wrestle should not be one with another. The wrestle should not be with flesh and blood. The fight that we fight is in these heavenlies where here on earth we bind and we lose. Come on, say amen. So God has given us power over the enemy and power over sickness and disease and power over racism and prejudice and power over poverty and power over depression and power over bondage. And I could go on and on with any manifestation that Satan has tried to bring on this earth. God has given us the power over that. Hallelujah. For greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Amen. And if God be for us, who could be against us? Come on now. Praise God. So God's design for the church is a ch to be a church is power. So if we're not operating with that authority and the demonstration of that power, then we're just a form. Just a form of godliness and denying the power. Do we want to be guilty of denying the power? No. Because He didn't call the church to be a political entity. He did not call the church to be an economic entity. He did not call the church to be a social or an entertainment entity. He called the church specifically to be a spiritual entity so that we deal in the spiritual areas which is causing the manifest, whether good spirit or bad spirit, in all these other entities. So if he called us into the political entity, we would be locked into a, a, an entity where the manifest of good and bad spirits are being done. And then we would be all involved in that, missing the economic or missing the social or missing the entertainment. He's called us over all of that into the spiritual entity and that we are to be the guards and we're to be the watchmen on the wall and we're to be the intercessors and we're to be the powerhouse of God on earth, the Christos of the body of Christ that is manifesting the power of heaven to keep at bay the spiritual forces that try to manifest themselves in negative ways in all of these entities that we've mentioned. That's why Jesus said, John baptized you um, 
John baptized you with water. John says, you know, I baptized you with water, but Jesus said it as well. He says, but I've come and I've baptized you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I come and I baptize you with power. He says, after you receive the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, you're going to receive power. Power. He even tells the disciples that as they ascended on high, he said, go back to Jerusalem and tarry until you receive from on high power. You need the power in order for the church age to function by which it has been designed to function. You have to have the power to do that. So church, God has made sure that the power is available. Some people say, well, I don't feel very powerful. I don't feel very close to God. Or I don't feel like, uh, the, the, I, don't feel like I got the upper hand in Christ. It seems like the devil has the upper hand. Then you've missed, you've, you've lost your identity. Some, something has banged you on the head and you've got some amnesia. And I'm here to remind you who you are in Christ and who you are as a member and a bod, part of the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has baptized us with his Holy Ghost and fire. He says, and after he baptized us, we're going to receive power. So we've received the power. The power is available to us from the Spirit of the living God. He has provided the power that is needed. Hallelujah. Now you say, um, well, is uh, this enough? Is it enough? It looks like what's coming against us is greater than what's in us. You've got to get there again. That amnesia is working. So let me remind you. Colossians 2 and 15, Jesus is being uh, the picture here where Paul is writing and he says, talking about Jesus, he says, Jesus having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Paul was referencing, but by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit was giving the, the, the inspiration of the Word of God to be written here, of a Roman procedure after a conquest where they would have a parade and they would march down the center of the parade in the chariot of the conquered king would be the conqueror driving the king's chariot and the conquered king now tied behind the chariot and having to walk paraded down the street. Now when he says he made a public spectacle of them, that's what he's referencing there. Then they would come to a place in the parade where they would all gather around and they would take that conquered, defeated king who represented all the power of his kingdom and they would cut his thumbs off and they would cut his big toes off and everybody would celebrate because they knew this powerhouse that led that, that power from that kingdom against us, we, know, we don't have to worry about him anymore because he can never wield a sword again without his thumbs, and he can never run and lead in battle without his big toes, and they would celebrate. So that making a public spectacle of them, Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers. So they may talk big, they got a big talk when they come to you and says, I'm going to kill you with this disease, or I'm going to bind you, or I'm going to split you up, or I'm going to uh, divorce you, or I'm going I'm to make you live in poverty. They got a big bark, but they don't have their big thumbs and they don't have their big toes. They really cannot back up what they're saying if you know who you are and exercise your authority over them. Hallelujah. 
So Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over over them in it. So the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit now given to us with ushering in the power of God so that as we yield our lives to the Spirit of God, then we can see the manifest of that power of heaven on earth. And the Holy Spirit was given... He wasn't given to take us to heaven. The Bible says in the twinkling of the eye, it talks about Jesus is going to rapture His church. Jesus is coming back for His church. So the Holy Spirit was not given to take you to heaven. The Holy Spirit was not given to cause you to have illusions of grandeur. The Holy Spirit was not given to us to cause goose pimples or cause us to dance or whatever. You can have goose pimples, you can dance, you can shout, you can roll, you can laugh. We're not against any of that. That's just your response to the supernatural stimuli of the Holy Spirit. But the reason the Holy Spirit was given to us was to cause life, Zoe life, to cause abundant life, to cause Holy Ghost life, to cause life to come into His body, to cause life to come into His body. And that life to energize and mobilize his body here on earth and cause us, the church, to arise in power and bring forth the demonstration of the declared word of God in the world around us and to fight back the tide of demonic hordes, principalities and powers on this earth, reminding them who has already triumphed over them that we have authority over all this power of the enemy and he by no means shall harm us if we exercise our authority as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we got to get a proper perspective on this. We've got to get this sorted out in us individually so that when we come together corporately, we can not only have victory in our individual fights, we have a greater victory when we come together corporately in our corporate fight in advancing the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. We, but you know what? We tend to be like the disciples, you know? Sometimes we look at the disciples and we're like, we, we find fault and say, you know, you were doubting and you went back to fishing and you went back to cursing and, you know, we, you, you, know you, you began to walk on water, then you sank and all these things. But you know what? Many times we're much more like the disciples than we like to give credit to. On the day that Jesus ascended, the Bible tells, Jesus tells them that you're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Then you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the othermost parts of the earth. He tells them that in Acts 1 and 8. Then as he's saying this, as he's speaking this, he's ascending up into the heavens and he disappears in the clouds. And they stand there gazing in the heavens. You get to Acts chapter 1, around verse 10, there they are gazing into the heavens. And what did Jesus tell them to do? Go to Jerusalem and tarry. Get your purpose and focus ready. Get your destiny. Get your calendar. Tarry. I want you to tarry until you receive power. And what are they doing? Standing there gazing into heavens, wanting to see an eclipse. (laughs) Just gazing into heavens. And two angels in white, the Bible says, appeared to them and says, why do you stand here gazing into the heavens? It's like they were saying, did you miss what Jesus just told you to do? He didn't say anything about heaven gazing. Come on now. He was talking to you about Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. The earth needs you. Kingdoms need you. 
Governments need you. People groups need you. You've got a job to do. You've got to go be the conduit. You've got to go get immersed and made on the day of Pentecost the church so that the church can be filled with power and then people's lives can truly be changed because on earth you can bind and loose what Satan is doing from his heavenly command center and you can cause positive change that way. So he says, why are you standing here looking? You've got to be effective here on earth. And you can't be effective here on earth just gazing into the heavens. Please hear me tonight, church. Eternity is going to take care of itself. Etern- you staring up and trying to figure out the eschatology of how it all going to work out. Is it pre-mid, pre-trib? Is it mid-trib? Is it post-trib? Is it, you know, it's, I say it's pan-trib. It's going to all pan out, okay? I guarantee you, it's going to take care of itself. Now is the time not to sit idly by and write songs about heaven. And we, you know, I'm not saying we can't write songs about heaven, but that we shouldn't be so heavenly focused that we are no earthly effectiveness. You know, there needs to be a, we need to be earthly effective. We've got a job. The world is the chaos, the, the rioting, the, the, the turmoil, the noise of hell is, is at bay all around us. And we, the church, have the answer. And the answer is not passing out more book bags or school bags. That's good. And it's not feeding more of the hungry. That's good. And and it's not, you know, uh, going and and, and, and with the smile of a child and and, and turning cleft lip, palate lips and cleft lip and that kind of stuff, sewing and helping or or cataracts off. All of that is good. All of that is good. And we need to be, be involved in all that is good. But we need to see even above all of that that there is a demonic horde of hell that wants to bring as much destruction to the people on earth as possible. And Jesus says, I've got a plan to keep hell at bay until I take this plan out and then hell can spread like a cancer and cause tribulation like man is never known to bring a purging and a judgment on ungodliness. He says, I'm going to let them, kind of like the enemies, he let them destroy themselves. You remember Jehoshaphat sends the praisers out front and there's Mount Seir and there's uh, the Syrians and all of them, they're coming against the people of God and what God causes them to turn on themselves and destroy themselves. He says, man, he said tribulation is going to be those evil spirits working in people and bumping each other and killing each other. He says, but until it is time for that purging and cleansing and renewing and that tribulation and judgment, he says, until then, uh, there are souls to be won the kingdom of heaven is to expand. Uh, he says, and I've got a plan. I'm going to put my church between what Satan wants done and what God wants done. And when the church will be the church, heaven will gain. Uh, and when the church silences itself or turns on itself, then heaven, uh, hell is going to have its gain. And I say it is time that the church come up and do what we're called to do. Amen. So the Holy Ghost is not to take you into a gated community with shiny streets called heaven. What the Holy Ghost wants to do is get us into the highways and the byways where the devil has locked people up behind closed doors and addicted them and broke them down and held them under and held them hostage and bound them, held them poor, held them hopeless, and we're to come with a message of liberty. 
We're to come with the message of freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on now. And how in the world is the Spirit of God going to get into the highways and byways unless He uses the feet of the church that He's called us to be to come on earth with our feet and bind and loose what Satan has been doing from his heaven. God said, what did He say? Every place the soles of your feet shall tread. That I give unto you. That I give unto you. Come on now. Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Does not these scriptures make sense to us in this life? We've been given power to bring change to this earth. So the battle of the ages is not over heaven. And the battle of the ages is not over hell. The battle of the ages is over what's going to happen here right now on earth. Come on now. Which has an impact on what happens in hell or what happens in heaven for eternity. And please don't misunderstand me. I believe in heaven and hell, and I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. I'm living for the Lord because I know there's a hell, and I know there's a heaven. And some people say, ah, oh, you shouldn't serve God because there's a hell. I serve God because what he said is true, and what he said is there is a heaven and there is a hell. And I know I'm not going to be the unbeliever that is cast into that eternal lake of fire. I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't like heat. I don't like heat. And I hear hell is hotter than the southern tip of Florida in the middle of July. You know, I hear it's hot, and I don't want to go there. But I'm not trying to avoid it just because it's hot. I love Jesus. He saved my life. He is my Lord and my Savior. And I want to serve Him and live for Him and honor Him and bless Him and be a praise to Him all the days of my life. Amen? Amen. So if you're going to live here on earth as we are, we need some power. Power to stand. Power to endure. Power to press on. We need power. And that's what God sent me here tonight to remind you that we're talking about Holy Ghost power that has been provided to us by God himself. And this is power that is bigger than performance, it's bigger than style, it's bigger than talent, it's bigger than doctrine, it's bigger than denomination, it's bigger than cultural heritage, it's bigger than preference. We're talking about Holy Ghost power. And a church without it cannot operate the way it was created to do. And I want to be a pastor that leads a church that's filled to the brim and running over with Holy Ghost power. Come on now. I'm telling you, we need to be open to the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. What an awesome God. We, you know, I, I understand the power. That's why knowing that I'm a part of a power church, that's why I'm loud on purpose. That's why I'm, I clap on purpose. I praise on purpose. I shout on purpose. I don't wait till I feel like it. Oh, if I feel like a clap, oh, then I'll clap. I clap because I know King of Kings and Lord of Lords and Holy Ghost power is leading the way victoriously and I am serving Him. I'm celebrating Him. I'm worshiping Him. So I praise on purpose. I shout on purpose. You don't have to wait till pastor hits a good point if he would hit a good point for you to say, Hallelujah! You can in any time you want, you can say, Praise God! Hallelujah! Because the Bible says God loves it when we shout to Him. He will not shout at Him, but shout praises to Him. He loves it when we clap to Him. He loves us. 
That's why, you know, people created in His image like applause. Because God loves applause. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, He's so worthy. He's so worthy. But because we know of who He is and what He is and what He's done and what He's doing, let me tell you why. We're not ashamed. We're not ashamed of His purpose. Amen. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power unto salvation, the Bible says. What a psychiatrist can't do, the Holy Ghost can do. What a doctor can't do, the Holy Ghost can do. Come on. When your accountant says, there's nothing I can do to help you here, the Holy Ghost, the power of God, can part the waters and cause heaven to come to earth in your life and in your, in your situation. Come on now. When everyone says no, closes the door and gives you a red light and a stop sign, saying you're a single woman you can't have a job making $75,000 a year you're a you're a divorcee there's no way you'll ever be able to share the gospel with authority again whatever the devil says you laugh at him ha 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 because the Holy Ghost can say what is impossible with man is possible with God come on now give God some praise wonder working Holy Ghost power praise the name of Jesus praise his holy name so I say it's time for us to hear what the Spirit of God is saying and it's time for us the church to grow up to put on our big boy big girl clothes and say you know what it's time for us to march forward triumphantly and we are to bind and loose here on earth so that what Satan is doing can be bound and loose so when you see things that have been loose and out of control through the spirit realm manifesting on earth. You bind those spirits in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Ghost. And when you see things that should be coming and flowing to the people of God and here on this earth, and you see it's being bound up, it's dammed up somewhere, then you go do, like I was watching recently, one of those uh, North Carolina uh, swamp lockers. And, uh, and, and the beavers had got in there and they had dammed up the, the streams and the water was backing up and it was destroying what it shouldn't destroy and downstream what the water was needed for was being destroyed because it didn't have the water the water was misplaced because of a dam so this guy this good old North Carolina country man he goes out there and he finds the dam and he puts a few sticks of power a few sticks of dunamis in that old dam I don't know where the beavers were if they were in there they got a headache but he runs away and kaboom! And the water started flowing where it needed to, leaving the ground that it was destroying dry so it could be healthy again, and everything was back in place. That was a demonstration of the church right there. That was a demonstration of the church loosing, loosing, that we can loose it standing right here on earth, and it be loosed in that demonic heavenly realm so that it can, that which is rightfully the churches and rightfully the earth needs to flow. Amen? So I say it's time that we man up, woman up, be who God's created us to be. Amen? So I want us to close just a few minutes. It doesn't, the thing about God and His power is it takes faith and action. Faith and action. It doesn't take length. Thank God. That's what Jesus said, the repetitious prayers. He said, He rebuked that. He found fault with that. Long, repetitious prayers. He found fault with that. People get surprised when they come up to me and they say, you know, Pastor, I've got this going on, or Pastor, I've got that. And I say, you know, I've been out in the store just, just this week. I was out in the store. Somebody said, 
go, hey, pastor, sorry I hadn't been to church in six months, but I'm coming back, praise God. I'm like, hallelujah. And then they started telling me their, their issues. And I said, can we pray right now? And they said, please, that's what I came here. I wanted you to pray for me. And I just laid hands on their shoulder and I said, in the name of Jesus, and whatever they were telling me, I rebuked it in Jesus' name. I came against it. I said, now we unleash un and, and unloose unlo uh, the, the power of God in this situation and the peace of God in this situation and the wisdom of God in this situation and just had a short little prayer, amen. And they kind of looked at me like, that's all? That's all I get? That's all I get? I hadn't been in church for six months. I thought at least I'd get a 20-minute prayer here. And, but you're not going to get that from me. Now, when I'm in my prayer closet and I'm having my time of communication and conversation with God, you know, I, it can be hours. That, that is a whole different story. But when it comes to exercising authority, I come up to the tomb like Jesus did, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And that word come forth in the Greek is just one word. It was, it was resurrect, resurrect. So really he just said, Lazarus, resurrect. Now, two words to do one of the most powerful miracles that were ever witnessed by man, a man dead four days coming out of a tomb. I like being like Jesus. He just says, you know, just come, resurrect. And the power of resurrection came and brought that man from the dead. So it's not the long convincing or the Elizabethan English of, of these and thousand thuses. God gets confused. God told me, he said, he told me one time, and I know it was a joke because God is probably one of the funniest, uh, he is the funniest uh, conversation I've ever had. He gives me things, I get to roll it. And he told me one time, I was just like coming to him when I first got saved and I was just in my King James talk and all. And uh, he says, oh, come on now, speak, speak English. He says, I don't even understand what you're saying. <laughs> now I know he did, but he made a point that all these years have stuck with me. He's like, I don't even understand what you're saying. If you're doing it to impress me, he says, you're confusing me, you know, but, you know, so, so, so it's time for us to rise up in power. So I want us to close around the altar. If you would, let's stand and just come around the altar. Some of you may want to kneel. Some of you may want to sit on the steps, sit on the front row here. Some of you may want to lay prostrate. Don't matter, but let's just spend a few moments here around this altar just talking to the Lord and, and telling Him, don't tell me, but telling Him where you stand as a part of His church. I want you to tell Him tonight. He wants to hear you say it. Not, oh God, you know. He said, I want to hear you say it. Where you stand with Him as your purpose and your function here as a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are, are you going to step up in authority? Are you going to step up and, and, and full of the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Ghost flow through you? If so, then ask the Holy Spirit to fill you or refill you or to, to move mightily in and through you. Just, just take that time now with you and the Lord. Hallelujah.